This is the Legacy Lineup Podcast. I'm your host, Ren Lawwell. Joining me, my co-host, Jimmy Barnett. And tonight, Jimmy, we have a very special guest with us. My cousin, Ryan Lawwell, is joining us on the on the pod. Ryan, what's up, man? How are you doing this evening? Doing good, man. How are you guys? Awesome. Doing yeah. good. Good deal. So, uh, Ryan uh, is, like I said, my second cousin. Our dads are first cousins. Um, but, uh, you know, is a business owner, owns Blackgate Hunting Products, which I'm repping right here on the shirt. Um, and we right. kind of want to bring on Ryan to kind of explore some different avenues with our podcast because you know mainly we talk about sports but Jimmy and I also have an interest in hunting and in in that industry as well so we want to bring on Ryan to kind of give us some perspective into that industry Um, so Ryan just starting out um, since I've known you you know as as kids the outdoors hunting that stuff's always been kind of a big part of your life so is there somebody that kind of inspired that passion in you at an early age that you would credit oh yeah dad um, just growing up and stuff, even rabbit hunting and stuff like that. Um, obviously the hunting trends changed over, over time as far as, you know, it's not that family tradition, get together, you know, make a, a drive, try to kill a deer. It's turned into growing your deer bigger, pattering deer, killing big deer. That's pretty much the, the scope around here. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to give back and get dad back into it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's super hard. He's like, Oh, I got one day off a week. I don't want to be in a, in, you know, freezing stand on a Sunday when my, I can be in bed or something like that. Right. Uh, but it was definitely 100% my dad, you know, my mom took her turns too, dropping me off or picking me up. And, but 100%, I would, I would not be here today without either of them. There is no doubt. Absolutely. So Ryan, let's, let's talk about, um, you know, you got the business, Talk about your early days, like starting that. Um, how did you get your start or your break into this industry? Well, I've been in the hunting industry since I was 19. Um, I've been filming and hunting for uh, a couple larger platform shows. One of them was on Sportsman's Channel. Um, that was Full Draw Adventures. And then also one that was on Pursuit Channel, which was uh, Greenback Tactical Hunters. And how this all began, um, it's just such a a long story, but I'll try to keep it short is, is meeting new people, um, and understanding the industry, understanding the wants of the industry. You know, I'm on still on the consumer end of it before I started this, uh, venture with Blackgate. And the biggest part was I knew what people wanted and no one was producing it. So I think that was the biggest thing for me. Um, I also seen, uh, a lot of big companies taking advantage of your blue collar uh, population, which makes up about 70, 80% of the hunting industry. So that was, you know, I'm as blue collar as it gets red. I'm redneck uh, (laughs) with a little bit of business engineering behind me. Um, I love to hunt. I love to fish, but my passions with deer hunting, growing, Growing deer, keeping them on my property, um, you know, picking up their sheds every year, just from A to Z, everything that I've wanted to do is what I'm doing with my business. Because I also own Blackgate Land Management. I also do a lot of uh, food plots, uh, land consulting, setting up properties for deer or for customers to be successful deer hunters. Um, You know, some people weren't brought up with any experience at all. So um, that's where I kind of come in, just kind of giving my my recommendation, what's worked for me, uh, it may not work for the next person, but uh, I'm always I'm always willing to to give advice and help a fellow guy out. So I've been there. Um, this honestly, it's it's blown my mind how much we've grown. Um, I was talking to Ren the other day. It's just it's unbelievable. Um, you know, just the right people. That's all I got to say. You know, uh, the right investors. Um, we are going to keep this a family only business. So, um, Debbie Lawwell, shout out to mom. Uh, she is our CFO uh, and she has her hands full, uh, with the hundreds of dealer orders that we're getting ready to be pushing through consumer direct orders. And, uh, dad is actually a chief of operations. So he's COO. So, um, you know, eventually at some point when he retires, he'll be able to do that full time, but as soon as I started this business and I could separate it, I wanted to get back to my parents. I wouldn't be here without them. Um, I want them to have a good retirement uh, and, and their dreams been to buy a farm and to kind of be like little 
peddlers out on a farm growing green beans or whatever the hell they want to buy or would grow. But uh, that's that's what I wanted. Out of all of this, is I wanted my family close together. I never wanted us to separate. Um, and if I'm able to do that here in Southern Ohio, which it's it's coming to fruition for sure. I'm going to be one of the happiest people we ever be around. And I'll, I'm going to stay humble. I've seen a lot of these people kind of get um, to where they don't remember their roots. And uh, that's something, you know, that we settled in our first meeting ever was we're not going to change the way we, we are towards people, no matter what happens with the business. So um, I want to make sure everybody knows that too. You can always reach out to me. I'm cool to go fishing anytime. <laughs> you ain't got a plan in my schedule. Just call me. I'll be there. So that kind of deal. Yeah. And speaking of awesome, that, man. you know, I remember when you were younger, probably, you know, elementary school, middle school. I mean, it, it's, it's no surprise that you're able to, to be successful in this industry because when you were winning fishing tournaments, when you were like, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, like these big tournaments. And it was just, you know, it's impressive to see. And I, I knew that you were going to do something big in this industry. And I kind of told you that the other night when we were texting as well. But um, what are some of the most, you know, I, you've had a lot of cool experiences in this industry, um, but also had the chance to do some pretty cool hunts as well, I would imagine. So what are some of those most oh, yeah. memorable hunts that you've had over your career in the industry? Um, I actually have, I just booked two hunts today. So that's uh, a velvet hunt in Kentucky and then going to Illinois uh, during the rut, but um, also trying to finalize a, a Western Nebraska hunt early season to kill a, a velvet muley, but probably my most memorable hunt. I wasn't even carrying a bow. Uh, I went out there with uh, our full draw adventures crew and I was a cameraman and we were chasing, uh, you know, Western Nebraska mule deer. And it was just an eye opener. The terrain's different. The wind is different. It just, there's nothing, uh, you know, those Western sunsets, they aren't like Ohio. And I don't, I can't explain it. I think you just need to go experience it kind of deal. But uh, another big, that one's pretty close in line with my Kentucky hunt. Two years ago, I went on a Kentucky hunt, a uh, velvet hunt. And um, it was just across the river. And it was just kind of a shotgun. Hey, I'm going to come down and hunt, pay the outfitter some money. It was kind of a DIY type of deal. Um, doing it yourself. Uh, hung a camera the week before. I went up there, I hunted like an hour and a half and killed actually this deer right here. Wow. You see in the picture, yeah. killed a, uh, in full velvet. So, um, I was super proud of that. Just the experience alone, just the mountain mountainous terrain that we're not used to here in Southern Ohio. And well, in my part of Southern Ohio, I'm, I'm more Southern Highland County, Northern Adams County. So when you get down to Southern Adams County, it does get hilly. Yeah. But <clears throat> you know, those were fun, but, Really, there's nothing like out west, and people can tell you that it's kind of like a saying, like "Oh, you ain't seen nothing until you go out west." Well, it's true. Um, you know, you just can't get enough of it. It's exhausting. I can tell you that. Spot and stalk <laughs> mule deer in 90 degree heat is exhausting. But uh, I would not take one second away from that experience. I actually, when I went and hunted, I didn't tag out. Could have tagged out first day, but I didn't think he was big enough, and um, ended up. <clears throat> just kind of moseying around the rest of the week in some terrible weather and should have just probably packed it and went home after that first day. So um, good experience though. Overall, just a fantastic experience. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Um, is there a memorable hunt from your childhood that stands out? Like that really got you into deer hunting? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can come up with one pretty quick off the top of my head. I was actually hunting a property um, it was like when trail cameras were still your 35 millimeter film, you had to get a one hour photo and, uh, you know, it's CVS got my film developed and there was a good buck in there. And, uh, it was, uh, probably right at November, right around November. I think I killed the deer November 4th. So I went in there to hunt this particular deer and all my stuff was stolen. Uh, this was a private farm. No one else was allowed on it but me. And, um, honestly, just disheartening, you know, I was young, I couldn't afford to go buy another set. I was barely getting gas money enough to get there. Um, having to ask mom and dad, but somehow we rummaged up an old ladder stand that didn't even have one of those center support sections. 
I, if you know what I mean, yeah. uh, for oh, yeah. it's like a safety thing. I should have probably had it, but I didn't. I wanted a hundred deer. So we hung that stand and I killed that deer at 445 on the opposite side of the farm. Uh, it was just a, a awesome experience. Just I went through all those downs all day long. And then for that, it's just like everything didn't matter at that point. And I fell in love with whitetails. I mean, pretty much I always have been. But from that point forward, I was just like, their unknown, their reasoning for things that they do is what drove me to make Blackgate. I want to get all of these products to where it's giving us an advantage because I don't care who you are. You'll never figure them out. It's just trying to catch an edge and, uh, you know, get closer to the bedding area, stuff like that. Is, is there a dream that's hunt? Awesome, man. Is there a dream hunt, a bucket list hunt that you're, that's on your radar? Yeah. Yeah, I actually just talked to my wife about this. Um, I want to hunt a uh, grizzly, grizzly bear or brown bear. Um, like anywhere, I, I don't care where it's at. I obviously Alaska, that's where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I just looked up that trip. I think it was like $20,000 and that was before tag, uh, getting the meat home. I mean, probably to be safe, 30 grand, you'll have in a hunt like that. Uh, hopefully I meet some good people in this industry and they're like, Hey man, <laughs> come on, kill a brown bear, like a 12 footer. I would be happy, but, uh, yeah, that's my, uh, brown bear with a bow is, is my, is my number, number one hunt. And I will do it before I die. Um, have you had, have you had the meat? Have you tasted it? Have you tasted it? Bear meat? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's real greasy. Yeah. But it's, it's not bad. I mean, it's still, uh, it's still a decent meat. It's just a lot uh, more greasy than like per se, like elk right. uh, or venison. Venison can be very dry. Um, it can be very gamey too, if you don't know how to cook it. But yeah, we love, uh, we just had a really good friend. One of my food plot customers killed an elk in Montana last year and brought us a bunch of meat and sheesh, man, there's nothing better than that meat. Have you done that yet? Have you done an elk hunt yet? No, no, I haven't. I will. Uh, that's on my bucket list here in the next yeah. year or two. I, Wanted to do it this year, but just when I go, I'm going to be doing like a backpack in, sure. be there for two weeks. I don't care if my phone rings type of deal. And with the growth of my company, I just can't do that right now. Yeah. Uh, I'd feel bad for leaving two weeks and leaving the mess for someone else, I should say, because I have my own system. I've built this from the ground up and um, I don't want to have to worry about that the whole time I'm out there. I just kind of want get to get a year under my belt you know, a full year, uh, with buyers groups and dealers and stuff like that before we, before we go on that adventure. Absolutely. That's awesome. So you mentioned earlier, you've been on some outdoor shows, um, filmed stuff like that. What can you tell us about those experiences? I mean, is there anything you took away from that that you use today? Um, well, that whole industry alone right there puts you in the chips with a lot of people that can make anything happen for you. A lot of big dollar people, um, you know, owners of businesses that, that kind of recognize you or something like that will actually give you a time of day. Like, Oh yeah, I recognize you from full draw adventures. Yeah, cool. Let's, let's chat uh, type of deal. Um, my social media guy right now uh, that's doing all of our content, our photo shoots, our sizzle reels, our uh, reels for social media and stuff. He's actively doing that now. He's who I met through ATA, the Archery Trade Association uh, show that happens every year in January. And that was because I was I was part of Full Draw Adventures. So that was a huge deal. And honestly, one of the biggest breaks for me was how to deal with uh, with customers, number one. I seen how they, you know, we would work booths for, for businesses and stuff like that and just how to deal with customers, customer service. You know, I went to college, but it don't tell you how to deal with people. Um, yeah. And the hunting industry is very like, you scratch my back, I scratch yours type of deal. Uh, you know, as long as you have my back, I will always buy product from you. Just very loyal, loyal uh, customers. And that's that's the brand I wanted to build with Blackgate. Blackgate hunting products is a lifestyle brand, not not a, a brand that we want to sell out in two years because we, we will get offered buy out in two years. Like someone's going to come want to shut us down and take our, take our stuff because we're going to be 
crash in the market a little bit, especially with our data plan stuff that we have coming up. Um, but yeah, I think the overall part of being on one of those TV shows, it's awesome. You get to film your hunt. You can always watch it. Um, it I'm, I don't want any, really anybody else in my tree with me anymore. I did miss it because if I go out west this year, I will be taking somebody. Um, and I have a really good storyline with a buck that I'm hunting at home that uh, I plan to have somebody film me this whole year, make like a documentary. You go back through old footage, just kind of like a, a cool story to follow. So I've learned a lot. I mean, you can't pinpoint one thing, but I think if you pick one one part out of it, it's who I've met along the way. And, you know, filming and hunting brought me to those people. That's got me to the point I am today. So we're, so we're not going to see an expansion like a Blackgate hunting TV show as well? Oh, no, probably <laughs> not. It would have – I'd have to be on like Lee Lakoski level to ever do that. I yeah. mean, where I know all my bills are paid and I'm just out goofing around killing big deer. Like, <laughs> that's a little ways off. I would um, love to do that. But, man, networking and trying to get sponsors to pay bills and stuff like that, sure. it's impossible. Like, yeah. I, unless you're a big name like Lee and Tiffany or, you know, your big guys, Heartland Bill Hunter and all those guys, they're uh, – they don't have to worry about it because people fight over them because of the exposure. You know, they're getting 2 million views a month. So yeah. your product's going to be seen 2 million times, uh, yeah. you know, if you buy a billboard from them. So, um, yeah, it's just TV world's dying. I'm just going to give you guys a heads up that outdoor industry TV is dying because of YouTube, uh, myhuntervids.com. Like all of those separate third-party channels are taking that TV, uh, you know, kind of down – about 10 notches in the last couple of years. So I, I know you went to uh, college originally out of high school for nursing uh, and then mm -hmm. decided that that wasn't for you. Um, so kind of what went into that decision, you know, and, and what drove you to, to go ahead and pursue your own business? Honestly, I still stayed in the medical field, ended up getting my bachelor's in uh, healthcare management and then a secondary bachelor's. Um, and like just regular business management, business administration is what it was. And I actually, uh, ended up working for Adina, um, here in locally for Washington courthouse. Actually, I, I ran their family practice. Um, and then also their specialty clinic in Fayette County Memorial hospital. I was the one that helped open that. Um, if you want me to be completely honest with you, which I wouldn't be there today just because I knew Blackgate would, was going to get to the point where I was going to be okay and could live on it. Um, not to the point where I think where we are now. That's just beyond, uh, you know, my wildest dreams. But Adina, when we went through COVID, that was my, that was my, my cutoff. When I had to start sending people home and furloughing people that had families at home and stuff. And I was still there with a job and I didn't have a kid or anything. That was it for me. I couldn't do it anymore. Um, just killed me. And, and I don't know if law will soft hard or something, but I just couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah. I've heard that about a lot of industries, people in the industry with COVID man, it's, it just, it, especially in the nursing healthcare industry, it, a lot of people's minds changed about what they wanted to do after that. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, you mentioned earlier, you, you've built this black gate from the ground up. So, you know, let's, let's get into that process a little bit. You know, how, how has it grown into what it is today? Like what has happened? How has it taken off the way it has? Okay. Well, 2018, um, I started a business doing black gate blinds. I started making hay bale blinds. Uh, and you know, I just kind of went with it. I think I sold like you know, probably in a couple of years, paying 50 of them or something like that. I was custom making them at home, custom welding, doing all. It was a lot of work for the money I was making. And I was like, man, this just isn't the route. You know, I want to be in this industry. This is not it. Um, so I started fit doing my feelers as far as trail cameras. I'm a trail cam junkie anyway. I've always ran, you know, as many as I could afford at, at all times, all, all year long, turkey season through, through deer season. And that's honestly where uh, everything started. I 
I started getting in, you know, my requirements for my samples. I started getting in, um, then we chose our color palette and our molding and, uh, just kind of went into, um, how can I retail these? Well, along the way, I've met some really good people. Rubline marketing is one of them. Um, Chase Rolfson with Rubline. They're a very basic, um, well-known, uh, marketing group in the United States. They do scent crusher, uh, victory archery, uh, big brands like that. And he's the one that got me in contact with the right people, told me what I needed to do, basically told me I needed to grow up. Um, and I'll see you in a year. That's basically what he said. This was, you know, two years ago. Uh, we have since reconnected. Uh, we just signed with uh, Gartland Rep Group, which uh, just a little background on Gartland is they're the biggest uh, sales rep group for the outdoor industry uh, in, in the United States. So uh, they cover all 50 states. They have 15 reps over certain areas. And um, I'm sure you guys have heard of Tactic Cam. Yeah. Uh, their, their trail cameras and stuff. Uh, that's, that's who made Tactic Cam, Tactic Cam. So uh, long story short, that deal blew out because Tactic Cam didn't pay some commissions that were due. Gartland immediately dropped them because of their reputation. They're not going to deal with that. And they pursued me. So um, I, I can't really necessarily say they really pursued me hard. The conversation was there from Rubline with Chase Rolfson. Um, and a year ago, I wasn't ready. This year, we were ready. Um, I felt like I had all the bugs worked out. Our cellular cameras, uh, no one will touch our stuff on the market. Um, I. I can promise you that I've tested every camera imaginable. Uh, the data rates, nobody's going to touch that. Uh, you're going to get more for your money out of our camera. We're offering a better warranty other than with Exodus, uh, which is another Ohio based company. And uh, you know, our, our stuff is, you know, our 4G LTE chip that we have in ours is a, a 2021 brand. I mean, most of these cameras you see on the market are running like 2017, 2018 chips. They're not getting near as good a service. The server speed is super slow. Um, and, you know, me being kind of around my engineers enough, especially the one that develops my app, has taught me all of that stuff. And he's like, dude, you are just on a whole other level than these other cameras. And, you know, as soon as all of those cards fell into place, it's just like I woke up one morning and I was like, you got to go take it, man. Like uh, there's, you're in too deep now. You got to go hide if you don't make this work. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of uh, more or less just a little, little bit nervous because I know uh, sales projections were uh, projecting between 20 and 30,000 cameras this year, just of one model. Um, and then we just released our um, 4G feeder. And I don't know if you guys have seen much about it or not. But uh, yeah, our, our feeder runs off the same app the camera does. So you can control this feeder when it feeds, how it feeds on demand right from your phone. So um, is anybody else a doing a thousand that? pound capacity? And, but is anybody else doing that? No, no, That's we cool. are actually in the uh, patent work right now. That's awesome. Yeah, very, very expensive. <laughs> but I mean, I just, you can't you have an idea like that and a bigger company comes in and swipes it away from you. And then you're having to pay them, you know, usage right. fees every year to use that similar system. So yeah, we were uh, definitely hot on that, getting that done. And um, that actually is through still family. Uh, my brother-in-law Oni works for, uh, I think it's Carlisle and Patchen out of uh, Westerville, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio and they will be doing all of our work so we're trying to keep everything local the only thing that's not local is the cameras coming in from china yeah. so uh we have we have went uh, we just got our quote this past week on making my camera um firmware and just the engineering was 200 grand on one camera and in china they don't even charge you for engineering or programming if you buy their cameras yeah so like they've manipulated the market i will get my cameras in the usa it's just going to take time i need more money right and right now you know we've created a, a killer product 
uh, all of our firmwares and all of our stuff is wrapped up so tight, no one could reverse engineer it. So we're very uh, proprietary to anybody else. And <clears throat> that's what it takes. If someone gets your camera, digs it open, they don't have the source code for your, your firmware or your app or anything like that. They can't do anything with the camera. So uh, they can try to reverse engineer it all they want. It's not going to happen. So. Is there is there a special crazy, meaning man. behind uh, Blackgate, the name? There is, yeah, there is. Uh, a lot of people. I get this. I get asked this all the time. So, um, my my wife's now wife's farm. Um, we live on her family farm. We will be here, you know, hopefully the rest of our lives. If something happens. I hope hope it doesn't happen, but. Uh, you know, we built a home here. Uh, we moved down here, and uh, her farm was called Blackgate Farms. And I started setting up those trial cam trail cameras, those trial proof, uh, mm -hmm. you know, kind of our uh, sample cameras on the back part of our property. And there's a black gate back there, which makes total sense. <laughs> and I got some of the best pictures I ever got. And it's what made me fall in love with that camera. And I was just like, there's no doubt in my mind, this is what it needs to be. It's not, you know, some hidden meaning word or something funky that no one knows how to pronounce. Like it's literally, it's Blackgate. You go with Blackgate and it's stuck. And it's so many people, it's stuck. Like, you know, just walking around, if I see someone like, oh yeah, you're like, you're, you own Blackgate. Like it's just, it's in people's minds. So that, that's a good name. Um, if it's sticking in people's minds, it's easy to remember uh, logo work and stuff like that's been awesome. Um, we went through a lot of, a lot of trial and error with that too. Um, but yeah, it's, that's basically the meaning behind it. It's where I live. This is, it started where I lived, um, cameras on the farm I live on and testing everything and developing everything right here. And I had to have, I had to have that in my name. That's awesome, man. Yep. So, Ren, you want to jump on this next one here? Yeah, sure. So you kind of talked about some people that, you know, helped you along the way, um, you know, with the marketing firm and, and, and that kind of thing. But are there any other influential people either in, you know, the, the industry or in business who have been kind of a person that you could go to for advice or a person that, you know, has helped you kind of decide how to make a decision on a certain subject? Yeah. Um, here of recent, uh, we signed with a new USA data company um, called Velocity. They're called Velocity IoT. And I met probably one of the best guys I've ever met in my life. And he has taken me to a new business level. Um, you know, having investment decks ready, investment platforms. Um, I own the world. I, I really do. You know, I owe my parents the world, number one. Yeah. But what this guy has taught me about um, successful business, how to talk successful business, what investors want to see. Um, and then getting into the IOT industry period is, is huge. Um, you know, IOT for anybody that doesn't know what that is, is anything that is pulling data from a product. It's an internet based product. Our R4G cellular, uh, cameras is constantly running on uh, a USA server. So it will send pictures to you automatically. As soon as it's hit, it'll send right to you. Um, all of our products, especially our feeder, same way. So everything that we have in the future, we're going to try to make IoT accessible. Um, but back to Bill, I mean, just what he's taught me in this short amount of time and I turned to him just like I spoke to him today. You know, I have a huge investor meeting on Friday. Um, can take us to a whole level that I would never comprehend. And, you know, us meeting today and some of his suggestions and some of his uh, thoughts, uh, things I needed to point out, um, just in words of encouragement. That's that's the biggest thing. Um, that that he's just influenced me. He's wanted me to take Blackgate to a whole nother level. And we've done that. And that's been, uh, I'll never be able to repay that. Um, 
Somehow I'll try. I'll take him to Vegas or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I'll never be able to repay that. You just don't – people aren't – you don't find people like that anymore that are just willing to give a young entrepreneur a chance to give him information, think he's going to retain it, and him to run with it and to prove to you that he is capable of holding on to it. And he did. He took the time with me, and um, I'll never be able to repay him, period. He's definitely my biggest influencer behind uh, mom and dad. Just mom and dad's work ethic alone, their whole lives is uh, built. built on, that's why I am who I am. That's awesome, man. Um, so, you know, you said you started all this at like 19 with the, uh, was it uh, like, hay bale bonds is that what you said you built at like 19 no yeah i built starting in like 2018 19 yeah like blackgate blinds was an official llc i think in in 19 february of 19 i believe okay so (laughs) yeah so so where's some of the go ahead no go ahead what were some of the challenges like so i guess throughout this whole process what are the biggest challenges you faced that, you know, maybe at one point you thought, man, I can't do this. And somehow you got, you overcame it. Capital. (laughs) (laughs) That's always the big thing. Yeah. Never, you never have enough money when you're developing and engineering and stuff. It's just keep the checkbook out. Don't even put it away. Uh, Just keep writing checks and hopefully they, uh, they pay off for you. And the people that we have been blessed to be in connection with, it's paying off. So it could have easily went the other way. You know, we could have been, you know, crazy amounts of money in the hole with a product that's going nowhere. But, um, you know, also my parents too, um, you know, they bought in ownership as well. So that was, that was a big deal. Um, I wanted to make sure they had their piece of the pie. They were uh, definitely a a good kickstart for me. It wasn't all the fun, obviously all the funding that we needed, but it was a good kickstart to get where we needed to go. And I wanted to make 100% sure that they were going to get uh, profit shares and have ownership in the business and have some say. And kind of, Ryan, kind of, as we're sitting here talking, I, I have, sorry, Ryan. It's funny. I have Shark Tank up on the TV show here. It's muted, but I, I'm sitting here thinking that we're on an episode of Shark Tank and you're just like <laughs> this. Uh, you're just, I mean, man, it's amazing. I mean, I love hearing this. So, uh, I, I mean, we got ways to go on the episode, but just congrats on all, everything you've accomplished. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome it, to see somebody do that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, so kind of are... expanding on that a little bit, um, what would be your advice to somebody that wants to kind of break into this industry? You know, somebody that has an idea that they think can be profitable. What would be your advice to them um, as they move along that process? As far as funding? E- either way. I mean, funding, you know, business advice, like how to get started. Take the plunge, I guess. I don't know. What would be your advice? got to believe in it. Yeah. When I first started, I, I knew my product would make a difference. Number one. Um, and I believed in it from A to Z, you know, it's just like we went to so many banks guys and I want everybody to know this. If you're looking to start your own business or anything, your banking isn't necessarily where you want to go first. You're going to pay higher interest there. They're not going to give you enough money. Um, they're going to want collateral, tons of collateral, everything you own. Um, nothing against banks because I'm very loyal to the bank I, I'm with. Um, but that isn't where you want to go for funding. There are so many options out there. You just got, you got to put the work in. I can't tell you how many nights I didn't sleep looking up small business loans, um, angel investments, uh, all this stuff. I'm like, dude, all I need is a half a million dollars and I will make 6 million this year. Just someone give it to me. And I promise you, like, I'll give you a giant profit share. Let me get to this level. Just give it to me for one year. Um, you know, and I've quickly found out no one wants to be in an investment in one year. They just, they just don't. Um, they want to be in for a long haul, have a discounted uh, profit uh, break, you know, to buy shares at the end. And, you know, that, and that's perfectly fine. They're betting on you. 
um, prove them wrong, blow them out of the water, then that money you're paying back if you do get bought out later down the road is, is minimal. I mean, you're just like, they built me. They, they gave me what I need to, to put me in a place I'm in today. And, uh, you know, that's, that's so worth it. And, and I'm always open. Any young entrepreneurs or anything, just what I've learned just in the last two years um, and taking this to absolute way beyond my expectations, uh, reach out to me. I have no problem sharing any information I'm not trying to hold investors back from, you know, a new product idea. If it's hunting industry related, if I have any advice, don't share any information with anybody unless you have a, a non-disclosure signed. Uh, have somebody draw one up, even if it's on paper. Have an NDA signed. Make sure your investment is protected. Um, you may think it's just a piece of paper. That piece of paper will go a long way in court. Uh, especially if you have NDA and they're going and trying to make the same product, you know, that you're making. So uh, that's number one. Um, protect yourself, look out for yourself. Um, never give more than what you're getting back. I should say um, that that's a big thing. Uh, Cause I I'm very generous person. Like, Oh yeah, Hey, you can have all of this. Just give me this. And yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the week, I'm like, why did I do that? Like, it could have been a fair trade. Both parties have been happy. We'd have been done. Um, but, you know, just, but I also think that's built relationships. You know, I hate to say it that way, but I, I really do think it's built relationships and made uh, uh, great relationships for me. But anybody getting into this business world, uh, sorry, I want to check my battery level, my MacBook, uh, yeah. <laughs> business world of, being an entrepreneur, introducing a product to the hunting industry. Um, it doesn't have to be the hunting industry, any product. There is angel investors and people out there with so much money that got to get rid of it. Like, and I, I was, you know, we're naive. We're small town boys. Like, yeah. it's like, yeah, I got 20 bucks to go out this weekend, go buy some Taco Bell and a six pack <laughs> type of deal. And, uh, you know, these people are, uh, They'll hand on hundred grand. They believe in you. Uh, they'll, they'll give you money. And that's, that's the thing too. When I tell people to reach out to me, I'd love to be, uh, I'd love to speak somewhere and be like, you know, this is where I started. This is how terrible my investment deck was when I looked at it. If you were an investor, would you look at this and say, Oh yeah, I'll give you money. But no, you wouldn't have. And what I've learned and what my portfolio shows now, um, to a potential investor is, is very impressive. And that's, you know, I've had a lot of help along the way. Um, but you know, that stuff takes time. You don't just wake up and know that stuff. You've got to learn from, from somebody older than you experienced. Um, and I think a lot of young entrepreneurs are afraid to ask and don't be afraid to ask. I did. I wasn't afraid to ask. I think I bugged people to death, but it got me where I needed to go. So <laughs> I hate being that way, but, I just wanted this so bad. And if you want something that bad, you'll do whatever, whatever it takes. I wanted to be number one self-employed because I'm going to create jobs in my hometown. I, I've always wanted that. I'm like, I want to create jobs. I want people to have a great work environment, love what they do. Um, number two, I wanted my family involved. Uh, number three, I didn't want to drive an hour to work. And number four, I wanted it to be hunting and I'm, I'm doing it all right here. Like, I mean, yeah, I have a very, very nice shop. Uh, we won't be here for very much longer where we've completely outgrown it. Um, but you can't buy anything for less than like a million dollars right now commercially. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna wait, wait it out for a while. But yeah, I, that's my advice, man. If you were to relay that to anybody, is reach out to somebody they will be more than happy to give you feedback and and talk to you that's i think that's really good advice and, and we, we really appreciate you talking about your your business and, and telling us the story of that um, but we are kind of a sports podcast as well so i want to segue a little bit oh, yeah. and talk a little bit about some sports stuff here um so i know you were quite the athlete in high school um played baseball basketball and golf i believe uh, i don't know if you did anything mm -hmm. else did you do anything else Baseball, basketball, and golf. Okay. Yeah. You so, couldn't tell it now. 
Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure you could probably still hit a baseball if I had to guess, and a golf ball as well. You probably still golf. Yeah, golf ball. I'm, I'm all right with. I haven't played golf in like two years, so or fished if you believe that. Wow. But what are some of your most uh, memorable moments in high school as far as sports go? Um, I know you guys had some pretty good baseball teams. Well, you didn't strike me out, I don't think. Uh Uh-huh. Did you? I I think it was in middle school, though. Maybe. Was that your most memorable moment? I don't want to change up. Well, that was my most memorable memorable moment was when we went to uh, regionals as a freshman. Uh, Got beat one to zero, and our pitcher threw a no-hitter. Could figure that out. Was that Tim Seitz? Um, uh, no, that was actually our pitcher that night was uh, – that was my freshman year. So, that would have been – gosh, I can't even remember who it was that pitched. We had three aces, man. We had three really – Did he walk the winning run in or what? He walked – he walked a guy, got on first, stole second, stole third, Pass ball on a curveball, catcher didn't block it, got past him, kind of squirreled away from behind him real slow, <sighs> scored a run, and game over, man. man it was awful. That's a, that's a hell of a way to lose a game. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. But that was my first kind of like – I started. Um, so I was super shocked. Uh, you know, I was kind of like deer in the headlights the whole game. Um, I don't think I recorded a hit that game. That pitcher was just – he threw like – I think high 80s, low 90s. I don't think I even seen the pitch. You know, I was just a little young 15, 16-year-old kid. It was just – it was in the glove, and I was hearing it smack. I was like, just walk me, man. Just get me on base. Not that I could run, but uh, I just wanted to get on base, man, and have some music playing and enjoy the moment. Now, if that had happened when I was a senior, I'd have been looking to jack one at that point. But, uh, yeah, just – that was a, the some of the best times um, – of my life was playing high school baseball, golf, going to golf, going to regionals and golf, um, getting beat by one stroke, uh, and of a guy in another group. Um, that was disheartening uh, to go to state. Yeah, I shot like uh, 72, I think, or 73 at, jeez, um, what? Uh, it's in West Virginia. I can't remember what that what that golf course was called and it was tight, man. I, I, and I'm kind of a scratch player. Like I, I was scratched for a long time. I was zero handicap and I scrambled around that course. I mean, I would hack one of the wood, chip out, hit a wedge within 10 feet, make a par, you know, one putt for par. And then the next, next one I'd be, Hooking in the woods to the left, hit it over the green, chip up, have to two put or one putt for par. I was just, I was on that day. Like if my driver would have been good, I'd have shot in the 60s. And I just, I, me getting beat by one stroke, I can remember exactly. It was on hole 17 and I three putted for a bogey. Mm. And I'll never forget that. I'm like if I'd have two putted, we'd have went to a playoff and I know I'd have beat that guy in the playoff because I wouldn't. I mean, he's just, I think he was a sophomore, if I'm not mistaken. He was, you know, younger. Um, still a good golfer to shoot that kind of a score as a sophomore, seven, 16 year old kid. Yeah. Um, but I would be just the, I would have done something to intimidate him, make him laugh or lose. Focus. I would have done, so, I don't care what I would have had to do. I was going to beat him, but yeah, it was pretty disheartening. Um, and then basketball, I actually didn't play past my sophomore year. I, uh, only played my freshman, sophomore year and, Honestly, that's where my hunting industry stuff started. Right then and there, I started filming and hunting in the fall um, after golf season and stuff. And, you know, it's led me where I'm at today. I regret it every day. Uh, you know how Coach Lawwell probably didn't approve yeah. of that very much. That's what I was going to say. Your dad was the coach me. for a long time. I remember going to games as a kid and watching him coach. Yeah, he hated it. Um, yeah, he wasn't very happy. But it, I just had no – I love basketball. Like I can literally watch basketball all March. I don't care who's playing. I can watch it. Um, I love going and playing pickup games. I haven't done that in forever. I miss it. But I think the uh, biggest disappointment for dad in my lifetime is I quit basketball and like he was known as like basketball coach. Yeah. But that also was a lot of added pressure too, man. I'm sure. Um, you know, freshman, you know, seventh, eighth freshman year, 
that's the only reason I was playing is because I, you know, my dad's a coach or whatever, and I still average like 16 or 18 points a game. And, you know, it was, it was hard on me. It really was, but I had really good friends. They stuck up for me, but. I think, I think looking back now to where this has led you, I think he'd probably forgive you for that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he told me, and I'll, I won't forget this. He told me, he said uh, something about like, you know, you're spending too much time hunting and learning this trade as far as the hunting industry is like, I hope that pays off for you sometime because you have to look back and how many, how many years you wasted doing this. I remember him telling me this and I was like, it's this not, wasted time it's not i promise it just sounds like some time to develop it's developed sounds like something his cousin rob would say yeah (laughs) i think they're a lot alike more and more i talk i talk to your dad man they're they're two peas in a pod for sure what was your what was your favorite sport to play um that's tough i like i like golf's pace um, cause, cause you're at your own pace, but baseball is cause it was team. I love that, that team feel getting pumped up on the bus for, for the game or, uh, practice, you know, just building that team. That's, I think that's me with this business. All I want is I want like a really good team around me. I can't wait to like assemble my team, uh, which people local keep in mind, Blackgate's going to be having lots of job openings in the next couple of years. So just, just keep that in mind. And then, you know, this is goes from marketing, uh, any kind of it, uh, engineering, um, we're doing, we're doing it all right here in house. So we want to create jobs locally, just kind of keep an eye out for your, if it's something you're interested in. Yeah. I'm thinking about turning Sorry my teaching license page. in. Think about turning my teaching license uh, in, moving down to people's to, to work for black <laughs> man. Hey dude, keep it in the family, bring it on. We'll have a good time. Uh, so some professional sports teams that you follow. I know you're a, a big Bengals fan. Uh, just coming off that yep. Super Bowl loss. Um, I'm not going to uh, throw Jimmy under the bus, but he is a Steelers fan. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what was what was this season like for you? The rest of the time? What was this season like what? for you? I mean, I, I have lived with Bengals fans my entire life. So I know how special it was for, for a Bengals fan to watch this season. Like, what was it like for you to, to experience the Super Bowl? Uh, it was, I mean, it was amazing and very, very, very heartbreaking yeah. because they had it, man. They, they had that team beat. Um, the overall season was frustrating. I don't know if anybody else thinks that to watch our quarterback that's, I think potentially could be, you know, maybe not win as many rings, but he's the next kind of like Tom Brady kind of goat quarterback of the NFL. I really do believe that uh, just his poise. And he's in his second year taking a team to the Super Bowl with a bunch of young wide receivers. And um, obviously he had talent, but he had no front line talent. They were awful. Uh, I could have got around Prince. I can promise you that. Uh, I don't know if, their right guard, he was awful. I mean, he's like seven foot twelve yeah. and six hundred pounds, and he can't keep a guy out of the backfield. I don't understand. Um, I just, you know, maybe I underestimate how athletic Aaron Donald Donald is and uh, all those other guys. But uh, it was a frustrating season watching him get sacked a record amount of times. But man, being in the Super Bowl. And having that chance, I think that's the only chance we're going to have for a very long time. You, you got Especially a little, with all these trades that have just happened. You got a little taste of so, it, though. You don't think they're going to be back anytime soon? Mm-mm. No? Nope. AFC, dude. Look at the look at the AFC, man. Yeah. I mean, just. The AFC North that? alone. Yes. AFC. I mean, look at. I mean, yeah, the Browns may not have Deshaun this year. But when he does and he's got talent around him, that's what he faced, you know, when he played for Houston. Yeah. He, he had – it's right, Houston, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he had issues with talent around him, um, you know, and he's a scrambling type quarterback and they have some good, good receivers mixed in there and they got a crazy running core. I don't know how you're going to stop that team. You know, he ain't going to hand it off to Chubb or uh, – well, I don't know what the – 
the other one's name is Kareem Hunt. I can't remember. Hunt. Um, Kareem Hunt. Yep. Yeah. You know, you're handing off to them, and he can do a wheel route and run himself. I mean, how do you stop that? You can't stop that. Yeah. Um, you know, not to mention he's got a pretty good arm. I mean, he single-handedly took Ohio State to the cleaners when he played played them uh, in the – I think it was in the National championship, championship game. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, he made us look like idiots. So, <laughs> so, I'm a huge Buckeye too. So, um, oh, this past sure. season really – yeah, it was really uh, frustrating at times. And then I don't know how they come back and win the Rose Bowl. Yeah. That was pretty pretty well, yeah, interesting game for sure. Um, yeah, that was – their talent finally showed it's like they had to play – had to go down three touchdowns before they, before they woke up. Yeah. <clears throat> but So you and Jimmy may be uh, rivals in the uh, in the football world, but in the baseball world I have a feeling you have the, the same love for the uh, Cincinnati Reds. So what are your thoughts on what mm-hmm. the Reds are doing this offseason? Um, trading Winker, Suarez, not re-signing Cassianos. Completely different group. Jimmy's the optimistic Reds fan, man. He wants to be optimistic every year, but it's kind of tough to do. Am I am I wrong? Ah, uh, dude. Like, how many wins we have been last season? Eighty-two. Yeah, somewhere around there. Eighty-two. So we haven't had a hundred-win season in how many years? It's been a while. Two thousand six, I want to say. It was probably back in the Adam Dunn. Didn't we have 100 wins when he was there? Um, I have to yeah. look that up. You, man, we just, especially Suarez, man. That, and obviously we're stuck with Joey Votto, although he gets on base. And but man, that contract was just absolutely ignorant to sign that many years ago. I was just, I just but do not agree with that. Would you agree with this, Ryan? This is what I've tried to explain to Ram. The Reds. No matter how bad we want them to be the Dodgers or the Mets or whoever, they're not, and they're not going to be. That's why contracts like like Joey Votto's are bad, because the Reds can afford to sign one of those. So right. they did it with Joey Votto nine years ago, eight years ago, whatever it was. They said two years now, like, like, right? Yeah. Yeah, and now fans want guys like Castellanos. Like the Reds, okay, he's 30 years old. You want to sign him to an eight-year deal for $190 million? Like I don't, even as good as he was, I don't want to do that. And he doesn't want less than that. So like they sold Winker after a good year. And typically the Reds don't do that. They hold on to guys for another crappy year, and then they want to sell them, which is kind of what they did with Suarez. Suarez was awesome two years ago. And last year, what he do? He was the worst he's ever been in his career, and they got rid of him on a low. So it's like they took Winker on a high and Suarez on a low and sold them both. So I don't know, man. I mean, you can say what you want about those trades, but in my opinion, I think it was a good trade for the Reds. I know it's not what the fans want, but from a business standpoint, mm-hmm. they're, and they're not bad on paper. I mean, they have guys. I'm optimistic they can. They're not going to win the World Series, but the Dodgers already won it. You know, oh, I know, look at the they, and they just keep adding, keep adding talent. You know, world class talent to their already world class lineup. It's just like, yeah, it's, that's it's, where I feel like they, need, they got to make a change to where the Dodgers have this salary cap, and then the Reds are down here, you know, below the dirt. You know, teams like us, why do we even have a team if we yeah, aren't competing that's... for anything? Why are why are we even playing? Like, why is you know tax money going there? Why are we? pulling in talent to think we can win, you know, just like uh, when we brought in Puig there a couple years ago, he's, he was an incredible talent for a couple years. We brought him in. I swear just to pull fans in. That's what the red, that's what the reds do. And I I was a, I like Puig, you know, that's what they did with Scotty. That's what, that's what they did with Scotty Rowland. I mean, they brought Scott Rowland in. Yeah. He helped to get the team to the playoffs, but I, I don't know, man, I, we would need a whole podcast for me to go all day because I could. But uh, I, I I don't know. I'm optimistic. India India is my guy, though. I love him. Yeah, I know. He, he had a bomb today, didn't he? Or yep. yesterday? Lead, uh, Leadoff bomb yesterday, yeah. Leadoff. Yeah. Yep, I get my dose. I uh, made sure in my workspace I had a 120-inch flat screen up here <laughs> in my shop because that sports center is on in the morning. If I'm working on the computer, I better be watching sports center. That's just that's my life. Well, I woke up with my dad every day. Um, and yeah, I seen that. It's like a hell of a way to start the year kind of deal. It's just, 
he is a he is going to be incredible. But I don't see them holding on to him very long either. Nah, though the the thing about the Reds is like if you go through their their minor leagues, like they do have some really big bats there. It's just those guys really aren't ready defensively. I mean, the game, the baseball's different at the big league level. It really is. I mean, you go from seeing guys that are wild and can't command in double A AA and triple A to guys that can command and you know throw ninety six mile per hour sliders and and the pros. So I don't know. I'm I'm optimistic. Like like Ren said, I think I'm going to change my Twitter handle to the optimistic Reds fan. You should. <laughs> you should because i could see him winning about 40 games this year <laughs> hey one more one more sports question for you how's your uh how's your bracket doing oh yeah i mean number one i hate kentucky but i did pick pick them to win yeah and i hate duke but i picked them to win because with coach k i wanted him to win on his last year out it's just like would be a big kabang you know what i mean like yeah this dude's put his time in. He deserves it. Yeah. I hope he does. I think it'd be awesome. But the Buckeyes had a chance to pull that game off yesterday. And they, they freaking crapped on themselves. I mean, it was awful. Uh, and honestly, EJ Liddell was the biggest choke of them all. Those last two or three possessions, they had to take the lead or tie it up, coughing up the ball in the middle of the court. I mean, just, you know, that's not, uh, you know, mature – basketball player plays i mean it's just yeah. not and villanova showed their maturity uh you know they didn't panic when it got to two points or whatever and they just of course they had their center that would just pop out and hit a three at the most opportune time to shut us down that right was they threw in a lot of crap in the first first half uh but i was pretty disappointed they lost yesterday i didn't expect them to win but i was still like mad because i'm a high state lover so yeah uh, just die hard fan. It just seems like we always have that big that's an undersized big is our best player. So it was like Sollinger was undersized big. He, he, he shoot a little bit from the outside, but he's not, you know, he's not a three point shooter. Uh, and he's not really good in the post either. I mean, and then you got EJ Liddell. Right. He's like, what, six, seven? He's, he's an undersized mm -hmm. big. Like they just never have that size with the guards to go together. Like there's no combo, I feel like. Well, they did. They well, did. When Greg Oden played yeah. for them and they went to the national championship. Right. And that's, I think, the final four or whatever it was. That's yeah. what they need I mean, to start focusing on recruiting. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It has the same thing with pro basketball. Right. Um, you know, even like the Lakers, you follow the Lakers. A lot of LeBron haters out there. I totally get it. I don't like his comments and stuff, but the dude's absolutely incredible. He's an, the most amazing athlete that you'll will ever watch in our lifetime. 100%. I enjoy watching him. He just dropped 50 some twice in a row, or not twice in a row, but twice in like a week span um, at 37 years old. Yeah. And those are the only two wins that team had in the, that 10 day span. Uh, that, you know, that's not something that you're just like scoff at. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. And the way he scores, the efficiency, he still has 10 assists and he's shooting 60% from the field or something stupid like that but the lakers are doing the same thing i was a huge Cavs fan when he went to the heat i was done with him came back Cavs and won and then you know him and i made amends i don't know him i just said virtually okay i accept you now because you, you won us the championship and then uh you know him going to the lakers everybody knew that was going to happen so i'd already accepted it before but he just uh he's playing center i mean right He's six eight. He's playing against Porzingis yesterday or two days ago, and he's like seven four. Like the dude has no chance. I don't care how high you can jump. You can't out jump somebody that's eight inches taller than you. You just can't do it. <laughs> but well, I'm not much of a I like the NBA playoffs because they actually play hard. Regular season, I could care less, but yeah. March Madness, man, you they run plays. They uh you know, they listen to their coach. It's, you know, coordinated offenses. Uh, they play defense. They got grit. You know, you just don't have that anymore, man. It's Especially in the pros, you don't have that. Not until it's like, you know, game seven of, uh, you know, of the finals or something like that. Then it's just like they're all over the floor. They want it. But, yeah, I just – I miss uh, I miss the Buckeyes being in contention, man. For sure. For sure. Well, as we wrap up this episode tonight, um, tell the people how how or where they can find you, um, your socials, your website, 
all that stuff. Yeah, you can uh, find us uh, online. We have a website with our full retail product. We're actually just getting ready to add some more product to our line, a lot of accessories at, uh, you can look at www.blackgatehunting.com. Um, all of our social media handles, uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, I believe Twitter. We don't do much activity on Twitter just because the algorithms, it's kind of a waste of time for us. Um, stuff like that. YouTube is all at Blackgate Hunting Products. So you'll be able to check all of our stuff out. Uh, we, we try to post daily, try to keep uh, current fresh content all the time. That way you can see how well our products are doing. Uh, progressing, um, you know, also pictures that clients or customers have sent in for us to share. It's, it's a really cool deal. We're creating a unique culture that uh, I'm super proud of. For sure. And, and I'll tell you what, if you follow Ryan on Instagram, um, some of the videos you're posting from your trail cams on there are pretty uh, impeccable as far as the, uh, the sound quality and the, uh, the video quality as well. I mean, I was, watching a video the other day of some turkeys crossing a creek and it was incredible just seeing the the quality of that image and then you can hear of course the gobbles as well so pretty incredible stuff yep yeah it's uh the that was one of my main things with video for trail cameras i wanted it to be like kind of like an slr type camera quality uh with audio it's like you had a microphone on it so a lot of research and development went into that uh cost us a lot of money but it's those are things you can hang on to forever, you sure. know, um, those, those videos and pictures and stuff. And I feel like people, especially if you manage your own farm, I'll never get rid of any of that stuff. Uh, just means a lot to me. You know, I'm growing these deer from babies and turkeys from babies and killing them when they're mature and letting the new offspring come in and take over. It's just a, it's really cool cycle here. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, we certainly appreciate you for joining us tonight, man. It's been awesome to learn about, you know, your business and, and the experiences that you've had. Um, and I think, you know, your following is going to help grow the legacy lineup as well, because I know you got a pretty big following on social sure. media. So um, we'll, we'll push that out to your followers as well. But thanks for joining us, man. I mean, it's been it's been a great episode getting to learn more about you. And I, I'd like to reconnect with you as well. So thanks for coming oh, for on. For sure. Yeah, let's let's definitely follow up again. And like I said, I always spread, um, you know, legacy lineup across all my platforms and stuff, anytime that I'm going to be on there, uh, anytime period, even on my personal page. So I love what you guys do. It's, it's pretty awesome. All right, man. Thanks, Thanks for coming man. We on. We appreciate it. Yep. Have a good one. Well, that was Ryan Lawwell, owner and operator of Blackgate Hunting Products. Um, so Jimmy, it was pretty cool to talk to Ryan about some of his experiences, talk about his business. Um, he does have some pretty cool products. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing the, the gear tonight. Uh, that I got from him uh, a couple weeks ago, but he's got some pretty cool hats as well. He's going to drop here pretty soon. So um, check him out, blackgatehuntingproducts.com, um, and, you know, give him a, give him a follow on Instagram and, and uh, Facebook. Um, anything you want to say here in closing, Jim? No, I just, uh, awesome episode, uh, great episode of Shark Tank there. I thought it was awesome. I mean, <laughs> you know, just to hear a local story like that. I mean, hopefully our listeners like it. Uh, we got some pretty cool stuff coming up through the pipeline too. Um, obviously, the Pitzer episode hasn't aired yet, but it will soon. Uh, so, just some cool stuff coming, man. I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. I also reached out to uh, Dante Jackson. Uh, he said he would be glad to come on for an episode. Probably looking at April for that, maybe April or May. I uh, want to give him some time after the basketball season to kind of catch his breath a little bit and and uh, you know, spend some time with his family. I'm sure he's been away from them for a while, so. Um, but he will be on down the line as well. So if you want to hear from the the goats of Greenfield Tiger basketball, check that out coming down up the pipe. Um, but once again, this has been the Legacy Lineup with Ren Lawwell and Jimmy Barnett. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Lakeside Real Estate and Auctioneers, LLC. Totes my goats, bar and grill. Our barbecue is the goat. And Legends Barbershop, your haircut is our legacy.